We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. It's Tuesday afternoon. Uh, The Minnesota Timberwolves are on a three-game losing streak. I feel like every time I record with Britt Robson, things are either like swinging way upward or swinging downward. I guess three losses in a row is a little bit of a downswing, which is probably, I got to inform our conversation a little bit here. Britt, um, you wrote today about the Timberwolves offense that was supposed to be, I don't know, for lack of a better term, special this season. And it has not been special. Right. 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 And um, as you put in the piece, they they rank 24th in offensive rating. Um, I saw cleaning the glass has them at 20th, so a little bit of that's garbage time, whatever. Anyway, one way or the other, they're basically a bottom 10 offense this season. We're now 24 games into the year. That's probably the biggest, like, set of what was our expectations coming into the year versus what reality has been. There, there's no greater gap. Well, I don't know about that. The defense has been defense, the, same right? way. the other way. I mean, but it really has inverted. It, it really has. So, so like wind it up for me. What, uh, where was your well, head at as you, as you came into this, but thinking about the offense. Well, at first, I wanted to remind even longtime fans. I know that I have a tendency to get redundant, but uh, I wanted to remind even long-term fans that uh, why we were excited. So, you know, I mean, the beginning of it is just kind of breaking down what makes Ant special, what makes Cat special, what makes Delo special on offense. And uh, naturally I got carried away, you know, like 700 words later, I I'm ready to write the story, but uh you were I, just expressing your excitement. That is I was. I, mean, well, I got into it. You know, I mean, part of it is, uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm a selfish writer. I write for myself as much as anybody. And so uh, I do think I'm disappointed. Let's put it that way. And last night. Um, well, hold on. You're disappointed with the offense because as everyone knows, who's yeah. been listening to you. On oh, here, yeah. I love the been, team. I love the yeah. team. Right. I mean, because I'm a defense first guy. And the defense is the inverse, as we just said. Everybody thought the defense, you'd be lucky to get, you know, between 20 and 15. And the offense, you know, you should be between like 12 and 8 or something. And um, 
Instead, the defense, you know, depending on what you look at, they're around 10 now, and the offense is like 24th or 20th, as you say. But certainly, if you throw in what is happening with the defense, the way they turn people over and get the offense into transition, and the way they get offensive rebounds and extend possessions, the offense, the rating on offense, which is points for, per possession, would if the Wolves had a, a mediocre defense or a bad defense or a different defense than what they're playing now, the offense would be even less efficient than it is now. I mean, the defense is bailing out the offense, and it happened again last night. The way they finally got on track against the Hawks for a while there, at least in the first half and early in the second half, was because the defense began to get some turnovers and 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 get some points the other way, easy points. Um, so I'm really disappointed in the fact that uh, none of the big three, but certainly D'Lo and Ant, are not living up to my expectations. And I would certainly throw Beasley into that. And to a smaller extent, I'd throw Finch into that simply because I give him some credit because I think he's exasperated. When I asked him last night, I mentioned ball movement and he just hopped on it, you know, and just, uh, you know, because Cat and Ant didn't have terrible nights last night. I mean, statistically, anyway, they had 13 assists between them. But he did not like the way the ball stuck, as he puts it. And I know that this guy is a ball movement and move without the ball guy. That's Those are his first principles. And we were reminded last night what a team looks like that moves the ball and moves without the ball. The Hawks had the prettiest offense I've seen live this year. Um, it, was, it was just wonderful. Um, let's uh... – I just have kind of like some of the offensive fundamentals here listed out. Let's 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 read through those and then okay. use them as ways to talk about Cat, Ant, D'Lo, Beasley, and Finch because I think they all they all kind of fit some of these. So sure, and these are cleaning the glass numbers. So on offense overall for the season, the Timberwolves ranked twentieth. Over the last two weeks, that offense is down to twenty sixth in the league. In half-court offense for the whole season, they ranked third last, 28th in the league in offense. That's only ahead of Detroit and New Orleans. Then on the positive side of things, they're getting a lot of offensive rebounds, and and they're playing in transition a lot, two ways to get cheap points, right? They're fourth in offensive rebound percentage, first in the league in putback points. In transition, they're third in the league in volume of transition possessions, though not super efficient in that, 28th. Right, 28th in points per possession in transition. But then I think the real kicker is, and this sounds super simplistic, but I mean, it's the, it's, it's the story for me a lot here is the three-point shooting has just been terrible. They right. are 21st overall in three-point shooting, making 34% of their threes while being third in three-point volume, shooting almost half their shots from three. From the corners, they rank 26th in accuracy, 19th in frequency. And above the break, they, they rank 15th in accuracy and first in frequency. They shoot more above the break threes than every team in the league. And maybe that last bit is, is, is something to hit on in terms of how Ant and D'Lo and Beasley's shooting has been particularly problematic. They, Beasley all three of those most guys, of all. Yeah, I mean, what's crazy, shooting, yeah. I looked it up 
for the piece, obviously. And uh, Beasley is shooting 42% from the corners. Right. I mean, his overall three-point percentage is the lowest of his career. You know, 33%, so. Yep. And so that means he's under 30% above the break. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just insane. Well, and, he, and, he, so, and he's shooting a ton of them. He's right. shooting a ton from above the break. Obviously, we, we can picture that pretty easily. Kick out yep. passes to him. And D'Lo uh, the same. You know, D-Lo, clank, clank, clank. Mm-hmm, pull up threes, step back threes, ant, step back threes. I mean, Cat, what we should say related to three-point shooting is he's shooting a career high from three, 45%. Um, all those, and it's fourth all those, on the team in threes. Fourth in attempts. Yeah. I, I, and I that's where back. I blame Finch. I mean, that's where I say, you know, Let's get rid of that stray voltage. You don't see Cat doing stray voltage stuff out on the arc. You right. see him on the low block or on the elbow, you know, whatever, all the, or maybe when he gets an offensive rebound, perhaps most of all. But still, the bottom line is that Cat um, is the least to blame for the offensive woes. Although I will say he's got a career high in turnovers, and a lot of that does come from stray voltage situations. And it does come from the idea that everybody is trying to make the hero pass. Atlanta showed you the other night, you know, Gorgie Jing was a wizard in passing last night. I mean, only because the principles of the Hawks get rid of the ball or shoot. I mean, either shoot the ball or pass the ball, but do it quickly. And how often have we seen that from the Wolves? Damn little. It's really, really been a shame. I I think... As, as you put it, what Chris Finch wants is ball movement. He wants it to look like that. And and something you talked you wrote about in the piece I've talked about on the pod is is this idea that it seems like some low hanging fruit for this team to improve the offense would be increasing the volume of pick and roll that they run. That just makes sense given the roster with you know Cat, D'Lo, and Ant right there. You know, but to Finch's you know to defend it for Finch a little bit, those are not necessarily ball movement situations, right? A pick and roll that leads to a shot is typically going to be, you know, it's just going to be cat and D'Lo. Maybe it's going to be a pop. It's an it's action. Gonna, it's not um, a process. I mean, if well, they're, well, it, Atlanta made it a process. Yeah, I know. But that's because they have Trey Young. Exactly. So that's what I was going to say. The difference is, is that Trey Young, and I think we were talking about this last night at the game. I was like, man, is I think Trey Young might be the best. I've shown you some clips of Trey right, from the right. from their last game. And I was like, he might be the best pick and roll passer in the league. Just his the way he's been able to find corner, find guys in the corner when he starts getting penetration off of pick and roll is is insane. The Wolves are not getting that from D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards. Though I think that is in both of their skill sets, actually. Right. Exactly. And and let me go a little bit further into Trey Young. I don't think Trey Young is dominant in terms of actual direct play on this offense. But just like Pat Bev has been a tone setter for the Wolves defense, Trey Young is a tone setter for this Hawks offense. Everybody on the Hawks, I mean, John Collins and Gorgie Jang and, you know, uh, the guy with the hyphenated name that kills threes all the time. All these guys are just whipping the ball around. You know, you know, uh, Britt, remember last year, the kind of the arc of Atlanta, you remember how the beginning of the year, it was a ton of like the, the word was Trey was shooting too much. Yeah. They, they were had that, by that blues musician. <laughs> <laughs> what 
Lloyd Price. Yes, when when Lloyd Pierce <laughs> was their coach. Um, but 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 seriously, like there was this. It was too there was too much Trey shooting was the word, right? And then there right. was the the team meeting where apparently Collins and Trey kind of blew up on each other. And then what Trey did was he was like, "All right, I'm not going to shoot at all." And he went like two weeks where he was like shooting. I don't know, like shooting under ten shots a game or something. And I say that to be they found their rhythm, obviously. Right. right. Nate McMillan takes over. Um, kind of some fortunate timing with the team getting back together. But also, I think they kind of found that balance between Trey shooting and Trey being a distributor. And I say that with looking at the Wolves glass half full, that maybe part of this is just a time thing, you know, and, and right. figuring out what the balance is of who needs to who needs to do the Trey Young and pull back a little bit, who needs to to step up more. And it's it's pretty intuitive. Like it needs to be more cat. It needs to be more cat in certain situations because post-ups to her cat have been a disaster this year. Right. One of the, the least efficient post-up players in the NBA thus far. But at the same time, you need more cat. Uh, you'd probably just more three-point shooting and you probably need less um, just shooting from Ant and D'Lo, yet you need more creation from them, right. playmaking. And exactly. that's it. That's that's tough. It, it's tough to say. I need you to. I we want to put the ball, keep the ball in your hands the same amount, amount, Ant and D'Lo. But we want you to pass more. That that's a that's a tough thing to do in in the, in the flow of the game, and 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 that's why I think it might be something that's just going to take time to to, to sort of strike that balance. Certainly, twenty four games in, they have not found that. And and I kind of explained why I over. I overexpected a leap from Ant on offense because from January to May of last year, his true shooting percentage and thus his recognition of how to score efficiently took several leaps. I mean, month to month, it just got better and better. When you look at that thing I was showing you on basketball reference, where you could stack seasons and, and name them first to last. Um, you can see how every year, I mean, every month he took a jump to the point where he was like well over 660% in true shooting percentage the last eight games of May. And so everybody's thinking, or at least I'm thinking, I should say, um, maybe he's not going to do May, but he's going to do like the last 15 games or something. Instead, he wound up doing like the last 35, which is good, but it is not enough. Um, it's the guy is well, the, the, the way you put it. It was perfect. It was like, obviously we know the first half of ants rookie season was objectively inefficient Trash. and bad. Right. The second half was solid, but it right. was very good in the last month. And what the way you put it in the piece was, was what he's been thus far this season is just the second half. Exactly. And, and we were hoping at least, I mean, and maybe even some progression, I, the, right, the whole right. Ant's going to be an all-star thing this year right, right. required him being even probably better than the, the final month of last season. Like LaMelo really Ball. Good. Like LaMelo yep. Ball. I mean, LaMelo mm-hmm. Ball took a leap, and we kind of thought maybe Ant will take a leap. And um, thus far, he hasn't. Why hasn't he? Uh, I think simply because he's young and he has too much confidence in both his three-pointer and his ability to get to the rim while avoiding fouls. I mean, one of the things that I really highlighted in the piece, because it's jumped out at me, 
was uh, he was getting, you know, the last couple of months of the season, he was getting to the line about six times a game. Well, it's less than four now. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but it is. And, uh, and Ann is not a James Harden guy who's like begging for fouls. He gets fouled because he goes really strong to the hoop and you have no choice but to follow him unless you want to get dunked on. And right. so not having that come out of him more often, I think is a loss. Um, I also think the guy is 20 years old and uh, he kind of hopes that he can get away with, you know, doing what he's doing now. And it certainly isn't bad. It just isn't peak. And. Right. I think it's about the personnel, man. I think it's about the personnel that surrounds him. He doesn't trust. Well, I mean, you saw last no, night, the, one of the things the, he did do is he, he, he dished for three laps that were missed in the first half against Atlanta. Right. So, okay. So let's go back to rookie year, right? Cat first half, first half of rookie year, right? There's pretty much cat plays three games, something like that, where he plays the first three games, then he's out. Right. And then what ends up happening? D'Lo is feuding with Ryan, right? D'Lo is feuding with Ryan, but it's D'Lo and Ant are the, are the offense basically. Right. Right. But the, the, the starting center is, is Ed Davis for a lot of it. And so what that does is, you know, Ed Davis is being guarded by Jared Allen. Ed Davis can't space out. He can't, he's not a shooter. So Jared Allen is just lingering there by the rim. And, and that made it so Ant had all sorts of trouble his rookie year finishing at the rim because he's going up. He has to beat his man at the point of attack. Then he has to come through and finish over Jared Allen. And that didn't work. Cat comes back, right? And now, and now Jared Allen is guarding Cat. Right. And and it's opened up this space where Ant can just beat his man at the point of attack and he can go finish. The difference that's happened this season is it's Ed Davis all over again. Not because that's out, because Vando's out there and the way teams have changed the way they guard the Timberwolves. Jared Allen, as the, the on Friday, will be guarding Jared Vanderbilt. And so he will be at the rim because Jared Vanderbilt having a great season is at Davis offensively right. with, the, with, with the added offensive rebounds. But just positionally where you put him, he doesn't space the corner. He's in the dunker spot. So Jared Allen is there. And now Ant is here again left with like, I can cook anybody on the perimeter. He can, And he can. He can cook anybody on the perimeter when he wants to, to get to the basket. But it's a lot to ask to say, beat your man and go finish through last night. I mean, it was Clint Capella basically just sitting there because every single team, even Atlanta, doesn't put the center on cat they put a power forward a small forward a malcolm brogdon on cat and they say we're going to leave our center at the rim and we're we see how it's affecting cat and it's just awkward and these double teams and it's too many post-ups but i really think the biggest negative externality is the impact it's having on anthony edwards because there's just that other that center for him to finish through at the rim and he's not finishing at the rim so do you think you could pull vanderbilt out of the paint and have him still get the rebounds and the hustle energy that he has. I think it's possible. I think so too. I think Vando has to, I think Vando has to spot up in the corner. And I think he needs to start shooting one or two threes a game. I'll allow Kobe. That's how Kobe gets to the bench, you know, I, I know, but I mean, <laughs> I know but this I know, is just, no. this is just where we're at. And, and it's and, like make or miss. And if you miss, but the problem is it's, it's a, uh, Hobbesian choice, I think they call it. I mean, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, because Vando won't make those threes. You'll know it, and I know it. And so, right. therefore. But um, I think we got to try. If he's going to be the starting center, 
is or the well, I got the party and slip. Right. <laughs> um, if he's going to be the second big out there, I just the, the second big just has to at least be able to stand in the corner, and if he's wide open, get it just so the big and, can't just sit at the rim. And that's why Finch, against his better judgment, sometimes goes with McDaniel's at the four. Because mm-hmm. of offense, because McDaniel is, whatever, very, is yeah. very, very comfortable doing that, you know. Right. And, so, and you know, yeah. It, it's it's why, I, I mean, again, Vanderbilt, great season. This, it's, it's, not, it's right. not a knock on him, but if this is the construct of the Wolves with the big three, the starters, Cat, D'Lo, and Ant, I think Vanderbilt has to be the sixth, seventh man and, and in that second unit more often. They don't have They don't have the... The except, other big to start. Except, here's what I ultimately came down to. I mean, I, I did factor in what you said. Obviously, uh, because of my lengthy lead, I didn't have time to. I threw out a lot of things that I was going to put in. But uh, it, I came down on the same side that Finch comes down on. I think the current personnel can work if there is habitual movement without the ball and ball movement. And I think that Vando is good for that. He's got bad hands, but he has learned to catch and dish on the offensive glass. I think he can catch. I think he can do what Gorgie Jang did last night. He can catch the ball and zip it. He can't shoot the three like Gorgie can, but as long as he's doing his nonstop thing anyway, somebody's going to have to stay with him because he can He's learning how to flush. His actually his scoring has gone up recently, right. and so uh, and no, man, so it can get better. It can get better. I just I wonder if there's ultimately a ceiling that you're setting for this team if you have if Vanderbilt is your second big long except except what about Vando back screening the way you wanted though Kogi to do it? I mean, so and on the other hand yeah, gets gets to the rim. Uh, via that. I mean, it's not really pick and roll, but it's the way a lot of teams run the quote unquote pick and roll is that, you know, yeah. they just basically, you know, get some guy or, back. Why not, or, or just actually the pick and roll. I mean, Cat can be in the corner. Right. And it's just D'Lo Vando pick and roll. Hi. Or D'Lo. Yeah, or, sorry, that, that's a Ant lot Vando. to ask of Vando, but at the same time, I agree that he can probably, he is learning how to go to the roll of the rim better than he, he was. Just, he just can't, it can't continue to be exactly what it's been. Right. I, I think agree. if it if that, it is if it stays the same. Saying. Right. Right. Like exactly. Twentieth on twenty four twentieth twenty fourth on offense. I mean, the, with the, that the, personnel, that that's that's a crime. Twenty. I mean, twenty eighth and half court offense, man. We are that's, wasting a really good defensive team right now. Yes. How rare is that in Wolves history? It it is. Um, I have a specific player idea that might be able to to mix things right. up. Jake Lehman. Uh, A little bit better than that. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Brett. Today's episode is brought to you by 20 by 20 Solutions, a Minneapolis-based technology consulting company that works with your business to help you build and sustain success. A great front office puts together a winning team with a coach who can put together a winning strategy. When leadership does its job and it all comes together, that means success. Success in business isn't any different. Business leaders need to find the right mix of technology strategy, and talent to make things really work. And that's never been truer for growing companies. 20 by 20's team has helped grow companies from thousands of customers to tens of millions by helping businesses across a wide range of industries, from consumer technology and healthcare to manufacturing and even human spaceflight. 
reach out to Clark and Ben, who are Wolves fans and fans of this show, by emailing them at team at 20by20solutions.com. That's T-E-A-M at 20x20solutions.com. And their team will review your needs and help you put together a plan before you need to make any commitments. 20 by 20 solutions, technology, workflow, architecture, strategy. They're your sixth man on a winning team. All right, we are back with Britt Robson of MinPost. He wrote today about the Wolves offense and some of the woes they've been going through. Uh, also, another article came out today about the Indiana Pacers. Um, oh, yeah. Going into a rebuild mode. And I don't want to, I think it's still a little early, premature to go totally um trade deadline talk or anything like that but i think i think talking about miles turner as an archetype of player fits in well to what we were just talking about with what the right with what the right. wolves have because the difference now is if you do trade for miles turner and we can talk about price tag whatever that might be that's a huge hill to overcome but miles turner solves that problem that we're talking about that jared vanderbilt is at both ends of the court actually yes the defense would get even better I mean, now, now you have a, a center there. But just offensively, now you have you switch to having your starting five is five shooters. Right. And and that will have a huge specifically on Anthony Edwards, and I think on D'Angelo Russell, they'll have a huge impact on the spacing of the floor and their ability to hit shots at a at a higher clip, notably from from two point range. I it's it would just be a terrific fit on this team. And now Jared Vanderbilt can still get his 20, 25 minutes a night in, in a bench roll. I think Nas Reed, if you know, probably gets pinched, maybe he's even out in the trade. But this is by no means of me saying, like, get rid of Vanderbilt or, or turn him down. It, right. It's it's have him be your third big, you know, play him as a, as a you know, with the second unit. Or even throw five. him in a rotation every now and then with Cat or with Turner. Um when Anna's not on the floor, because Malik mm-hmm. Beasley doesn't need those lanes. Yep, true. That, yeah, there's a better way to like fit this personnel together that they don't have the pieces to be able to do right now. And I think a stretch big like Miles Turner, but just that archetype in general, just has a profound impact on the offense of this team. Not to mention, I mean, we've been talking about Miles Turner for two years, right? Right. The real, what we've been talking about him as a a massive floor raiser for the defense. So if you're already, you know, a, a top 10 defense, what Miles Turner could provide, you know, boosts what the defense could even be higher because Turner isn't just a slow-footed, no. like lurking Gobert at the rim. Like I I they they switch Turner out onto like Zach Levine and he can move his feet with him. Like they could still play their aggressive blitzing pick right. and roll scheme with with Turner and the scramble around it. It's just like, man, Miles Turner was a great fit six months ago. And now it just makes even more sense than, than it did back then. Again, price tag, a big thing, but I just, that I just want to hammer home. I think that archetype is literally perfect for this. When is his deal up? He has two more years left. What is it? Like 20, 25. I think I, no, no, no. I think he's like, 16 i should know that um yeah um i might be getting that wrong what's sabonis do you know sabonis is like the 21 22 i could i could pull that i can't believe he's getting less than sabonis 
Well, he signed the extent, you know, he's a little, um, he's a little behind. He's only 25. So Sabonis has already gotten the, the bigger, the bigger raise there. But, you know, I mean, that that's part of the, the thing too, is he's somebody, okay, 17.5. He has 75, 17.5. This is Miles Turner, 17.5 this year, 17.5 next year. So it was, it was two years when, uh, when the, when the season started. So again, that cheap price tag is going to make him like literal dollars price tag is going to make him even more expensive. Right. But you know, it's, it's still pretty valuable. And so well, it's obviously going to cost 8. picks. I mean, can we just take a slight detour for a minute and yeah. wonder what the fuck Indiana is doing? I mean, <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? They, 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 I mean, if you believe shams, which is always a coin flip, but I mean, essentially you have a situation where, uh, they apparently are trying to get rid of Karis LeVert, you know, your former crush, and uh, either Sabonis or Miles Turner. And that means either Sabonis or Miles Turner and Brogdon remain on the roster. What kind of a teardown is that? And why are you doing that when you have four players? The four players I just mentioned, yeah, everybody knows that Turner and Sabonis are kind of weird together. Mm-hmm. But... Um, no, no, I, I think it's a good point that it's like it isn't an obvious break it up situation in Indiana. And you so go and I hire think, Rick Carla. Right, right. So, yeah. So even further, like it isn't an obvious break it down situation. So so to me, that would signal that the price tag to acquire Lavert, Turner or Sabonis would be on the high end. Right. Like right. they're not just waving the white flag of like we're done. You know, we're done and we're going to go full like Houston Rockets with it like there you would still think they would want to be more so retooling than than rebuilding and I think that would lead the price tag to be even higher I mean what I talked about last year a lot in regards to Turner was kind of the Aaron Gordon shape of the trade Gordon I think that's where I was getting the 16 million Gordon was making 16 million I'm pretty sure and and what Denver ended up needing to trade, and this is the same thing. He had one more year left on his deal. They traded uh, Gary Harris for the salary filler. They traded a first-round pick, and they traded a young player who was a rookie and R.J. Hampton, Hampton right. as, as a first-round pick. So I think that's like the floor floor of what it would cost right. to, to acquire Turner. And in the Wolves' terms, right, that would be Torian Prince as the Gary Harris that would probably be Jade McDaniels as the RJ Hampton. I know that's better than RJ Hampton, but that's but, what the but Wolves then again, have to offer. Prince isn't as good as uh, Harris, mm-hmm. right? Right. So I don't know. Again, just using that out. There's no way of us knowing right, what, uh, right. how much any of this will cost. But I think that's it's a somewhat reasonable line to draw between Turner and Gordon and the price they paid. You know, they paid for them. There was a young a, a young player in Hampton, a first round pick and, you know, 15, $20 million in, in salary filler. The Wolves can do that. I just wonder if it's going to you know if it's going to cost more than that. Ultimately. Yeah. You need um, at least one pick and McDaniels, let's face it. His value is diminished. Uh, he's a following but machine. Still above RJ Hampton levels. Oh yeah. I agree with that, but I'm not sure that, 
you'd have to have smart scouts who, who would see that. And I think yeah. that they would play dumb in negotiations and say, what do you mean, Jade McDaniels? Right. Jade McDaniels isn't very good. You know, look at his numbers, you know? So right. I don't know. I mean, I, I think that uh, I, you know, you know, me on trades, you know, I'll believe it when I see it and I don't want to talk about it too much. Yeah. No, than, I'm just more generally make, like make fun of thinking about who it. Break the news, you know? So <laughs> it, it's, like I, I brought it up no, again no, I, because the, you the, you have a you you love him you know hey what about yeah. Karis LeVert for that matter well that was more now that's another I know it's another creative. wing right and it's redundant he, he's with discounted ant, ant. Right, right, yeah right. so yes my my crush is faded there <laughs> um and it quite frankly hasn't been as good what about Victor Oladipo for that matter where the hell why why he's what's in Miami, Miami? Well, I know what's Miami doing with him has a bizarre bizarre injuries man i, I don't know so yeah. I, it's just it's it's going to be something to monitor i'm sure this is i just from put my finger to the wind on twitter you know it's something i think timberwolves fans will be excited about it's a name i think they're rightfully should be excited about and somewhat reasonable to anticipate we, you know so often when we throw these names out it's like right it, it's such a distant possibility i don't feel like turner is this insane pipe dream to think about but you know why he's probably beyond the wolves reach is because the wolves are trying to get into definite first round territory this season with him whereas i think a lot of teams would look at miles turner and say this may be our ring bearer this may be the guy you know like i mean Den like denver with gordon yeah, That's what and, and, and look at Brooklyn for God's sake. I mean, I don't know. They give away. Maybe they'd give Kyrie. I mean, at this point in time, <laughs> right. I'm serious. I mean, you know. I mean, why not? You know, right. it's like I mean, you obviously have to make up a lot of different salary there. But uh, imagine Miles Turner in the Blake Griffin spot. You know, I mean, that's just insane. Yeah, I mean, that would be. Whew. Yeah, they'd be nasty. It's interesting from like a Wolves, like thinking about it through the lens of Sasha Gupta, Chris Finch, Mark Laurie, Alex Rodriguez. That's an interesting way to look at any trade right now, right, too. Right, right. You know, I mean, as we talked about with Ben Simmons, like there's some incentive from Gupta to make, you know, we talked about to make, right, a, to make a splash. Trade, right. Yeah, because that would, you know, probably just buy him time, which wouldn't be the first time in history that a GM did that uh i think if there's one thing we know about this new ownership group they desire the splash uh, just as well and there's i think there's a hunger to, yes. to see be what famous quicker. athlete can sit next to you at the wolves game you know i mean it's it's their that's a mark Laurie special well i mean it, we are learning it is a different personality a different right. you go around different teams different ownerships right. it's it shiny bobble mentality Right. And, and it makes it makes it makes up the way you kind of put your team together. A lot of the times is based on your ownership group. And yeah. that's not always the best way to go about it. You kind of just want to Amen let the smart that. GM right. do right. it. But I know. But we'd be naive to say that that is isn't a factor. I agree. The Chris Finch angle one would be is interesting, too. Yes, How hungry is he to go now versus be like, well, let's let's buy some time. I mean, and then we can extend this out to like, well, you got cat up for an extension this summer. You got D'Lo is up for an extension this summer, one year left after this. You got Ant. Uh, 
coming you know, two years down the road. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, right, right. so so I don't even know when is the right time. There will be a right time in the not too distant future to go for it. Right. Is it a little premature now to go for it? I mean, they're 11 and 13. Yeah, probably okay. is. Here's, here's something I'll throw in the hopper, which, you know, now you sucked me into this. Um, yes, sir. Uh, Pat Bev. But is Indiana, does Indiana want Pat Bev? Does anybody not want Pat Bev yeah, at this point? Fair. I mean, yeah. I mean, can you imagine, uh, uh, you know, I mean, I just got to think that he's expiring for one thing. So, you know, uh, there is a way, I think, if if you make the decision that Pat Bev is always going to give you 50 out of 82 games mm-hmm. and that um, like Rubio last year, you suck up his influence and let it absorb its way through the team and then dump him for something, hopefully yeah. something better than Torian Prince. But um, that is a mindset. Now, as somebody who loves defense as much as I do, I would be, I would be more reluctant to part with a departing with a expiring contract, Pat Bev at this stage than I would Jade McDaniels. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, that's two very, very different values. You know, I mean, what do you want to do? You know? Well, let, let's do this with Patrick Beverly too, is he has a deadline to sign an extension here in the next month. He could sign an extension with the Wolves. He, he has During, a player option? No, like, well, he's on the final year of his contract. Right, you could right. sign an extension in the middle of, of right, that final right, year. Right. He could have this summer. He could right now. Right. And that's a that's a fascinating, um, you know, decision tree for the Wolves, too. Do you want to I don't know, call it Could you you can the how the numbers work is they could give Beverly up to two years, 31 million. That's the max they could extend him for because it's 125 percent. He won't get more than that. No, he won't. It'll be less than that. But I'm just putting that as, as the market. No, but I mean, uh, he won't it won't be a greener yes. pasture situation. But what about. You know, let's say I think he if the Wolves offer two years, 24 million. I think he might accept that right now. Extend and, it for two years, I, 24, 12 million I, a year. I, for the I'd jump up and down. I mean, on the other hand, as, as I, the, I think reason, I the reason the reason his name is now on our lips is because you've got to think that he is mentioned in any kind of Miles Turner negotiations yeah. because he really is a valuable piece. He really is. And he's an interesting value to this current team. Like Turner aside, oh, right. signing, but but signing that extension and committing to him, he'd be for two more years, that'd be his age 34 and age 35. It would season. change his value around the league to other teams. Right. It, it would. And it would be a real indication of like, or at least the first steps of an indication of, if you sign Patrick Beverly to a two-year extension right now, out the window you're goes the idea much, of right? we're going to, you're re- rebuilding or anything like that. You are, it is the cat, Delo, right. ant group, and pieces around them. They're going now, and right. and we've seen, you know, obviously the numbers when Beverly's out there have been great this year. There's a reason to believe in that, but there is still, you know, an argument to be made of like have the longest view in the room. You know, right? Slow down to go faster. The ant window is still the best window. Like some of the and, and, and that I don't that, know. that is by reputation. We don't know yet by practice, but that's what people think of Gupta. Mm-hmm. 
longest I, I, I think so, but that brings me back to the he's Flash, on a interim right. an interim thing. So it's it's a fascinating. Right, right. It really is a fascinating on a lot of different levels. Like, and I think the, the good thing is is like any of these decisions going yeah, none on. Of them are, none of them are like tear down bullshit. Like, oh, here we go again. You know, right? right. They're they're all kind of exciting. Or even the decision to not make a move for Miles Turner isn't like as much as I love them. Like right. it isn't a right. bad one either. It right? isn't a you death knell, right? Because so they still have a good, a good scrappy defense and their offense is underperforming. Mm-hmm. If their offense gets its shit together mm-hmm. and the defense continues to take pride in itself. Uh, I mean, one of the things I did think about, and I, it wasn't enough of a priority to even think about putting it in the piece, but it did cross my mind is the, the essentially the tired factor. I mean, there are some guys out there who, you know, Vanderbilt just busts his ass. And you notice the other night, I mean, he had to take a blow for a minute. It looked like he was going to be sick. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, uh, and McDaniels, you know, uh, uh, th- there are some guys on that team. And and D'Lo is being required to hustle a lot more. Pat is being required to hustle a lot more. It's a scrambling team. And there's no way that isn't playing a role in the Wolves shooting as poorly as they are. There's no way it, it, it is. Like, the the effort they are putting in, the speed which they are playing with, I mean, it's going to make you worse at three-point shooting. How much? I don't know. That's hard to quantify. Right. But it would be counterintuitive to say it doesn't. And obviously, the numbers speak for themselves, man. I mean, they, they have one player on the team shooting over 37% from three. One. Right. Right. It's Cat. And then the next best shooter is Nas. Yeah, Cat's 45. It goes Cat, 45, Nas, Nas 37. Then the cliff. Then Ant is third, I think. Ant is third at 34. At 34-1, right. mm -hmm. So it's, I don't know. I mean, back back to they've got to figure out a way to to shoot it better. But there has been, I think, some, they've given up some offense playing. And what's crazy is, I mean, the what the conclusion I came to in my column, and it's what I believe, obviously, is the answer is more hustle on the offensive <laughs> end, more movement without the ball, and more ball movement, which means that you're scrapping on both sides of the court, and and Gotta that be in will shape. that will take a toll. You, you you do they they well one they need to get like the flu out of their body. Right. I mean, and they need to, they need to shore up their depth. I thought depth was a strength for them this year, but as you just pointed out, it's certainly, we thought they would have a a nice contingent of three point shooters, you know, I mean, not, not so far, you know? And so that's an issue, you know? And, and also I think the cutters, you know, we thought there would be some, you know, really cool, baseline action and uh some of the stuff we saw from finch last year particularly delo hitting people in the corners and, and on cuts um that's not happening as much and more than anything the beauty of an nba offense cat called it the spurs offense last night but the hawks had it last night you know turning down the good shot for a great shot has become a cliche but when you see it happen you know even guys, you know, uh, guys who don't shoot well uh, get to shoot well when they're wide open. I mean, John Collins has definitely worked on his game, but how many of the shots he 
he shot last night were contested. They very few, you know. I think Jace tweeted out that only by NBA.com's they do guarded tight, open, wide open. I hate only that one stat. Of that stat is bullshit. <laughs> I I think it's well, it's all yeah, it's it's subjective in some way of how it's it's calculated. Most but- NBA players shoot a higher percentage on quote-unquote contested shots than they do on wide-open shots. How, you know, riddle me that. I just don't like the stat. I don't like the stat. Yeah, look it up. I mean, I don't know if it's it's comprehensively true, but every time I look up a player using that metric, I finally gave up on it because I don't 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 know know how accurate. Within six feet versus four feet. Well, I mean, it's a seven-footer coming at you within six feet and is, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Jordan McLaughlin coming at you from two feet. There's a difference there. No, there's there's totally context. I do think it's fair to say that the Wolves give up a ton of open threes. Not even. I also by the, think they the contest a lot of threes. Yeah, I I think I think both are true. I I, I think both are true. And that Last there go, night, there's the weird. It was bad. And the, and the noise. I think there's a lot of noise in that stat. Yeah. No, I, I I think certainly, and it's it's bared out in the big picture numbers through 24 games that still only. Right. They, they have the second best three point percentage against in the NBA. Right. So there, that is to the either contesting. it's phenomenal luck or they're doing something right. I think it's as always, probably a little bit of both. Let's take out <laughs> right. uh, one more break and then talk okay. about these next games coming up. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we're back with Britt Robson. Uh, Britt, I want to kind of use this last segment to, well, one, acknowledge these that the Wolves are on a three-game losing streak as as we come into, well, today is Tuesday as we're recording this. Wednesday is Utah at home. Friday is Cleveland at home. And then a two-game road trip to Portland and Denver. Um, I, it, it's kind of danger zone again where where that could could very well be, you know, four more losses. And then now we're doing the, the losing right. streak thing again, the dip and down and up and down right. sort of thing right. that's been all right. year. To get away from that, I mean, they got to win, you know, at least one, probably two of these games to kind of restabilize themselves. Or to, as Kat said last night when he was asked about what this team needs to make the playoffs, they need consistency. And they have not been in segments of the season consistent in, you know, they're just good or they're bad. And On the and other then, hand... Yeah. I'll push back on that a little bit in saying that I don't think they've laid many eggs. I don't think we have seen like that Pratt fall performance. Charlotte was a bad game, but they mm. haven't had that many just 
bad games. I thought Atlanta, I think at the end of the year, Atlanta will be hosting a playoff game in the Eastern Conference, and that is a pretty tall order. I think Atlanta's a very good team. That well, is you're, not- you're right. And f- the Phoenix loss comes to mind, too. You know, that's that was a great game. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. There's been a lot of losses that haven't been, quote unquote, bad losses, bordering on moral victory. I mean, Washington was concerning because they found something that other teams could copy the way everybody copied the Clippers and the Magic. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could pound this team in the paint. Those are the losses that worry me, losses that can be replicated by other teams. And I keep worrying that what's going to happen with this Wolves team is that people are going to have a mobile big just constantly slipping, you know, inside and getting those feeds because this team, low man, they have to worry about going to the rim, but if they have to worry about the corner first, they don't recover well. And so uh, I can really see Cleveland, for God's sake, has got like a bunch of those guys and Rubio and Garland and and uh, yeah, the other dude there, um, what's his name, the other guard. Um, well, Sexton's out now, but yeah. There's another guy though. Who? Uh, maybe it's Seti. I'm thinking of. Huh? Yeah. Seti Osman, Isaac Coral. Yeah. It, it, well, it's interesting. People who are listening to the the pod uh, after after games. I mean that that's what I've been talking about. Is I, after the Washington game, I talked about did the Wizards just find something that other teams can copy and and go very to? Very scary. Very scary. And what what I it was and that that was my message, and then I said, you know, I think this is. I think this is exactly what Atlanta is going to do when they come they didn't on, have to. on Monday. <laughs> well, but it's interesting that they didn't even try. They did right. not. I mean, they have Capella and Collins, who are a better version of Daniel Gafford and Montrez Harrell. Right. And they didn't They didn't even try and just punk the they wall. They had their the system, though. I mean, they hit 25 threes. I think that worked. No, I'm, I'm not no, saying no, it's no, right no, or I'm wrong. Not, and I'm not yeah. saying you didn't. But what I'm saying is I think they looked at the Wolves and they said um, – especially when D'Lo and uh, Bev are out. I mean, they just said, all right, you're going to put Leandro Palmero on Trey Young. Okay, let's right. see how that works, you know? You're right. Maybe it is that. I guess what I talked about last night was, like, what would I do? How, how would I approach it, you know? Right. And, and the book has very much been try and exploit the corners, right? Like, right. run right. that high pick and roll, pull Cat out, hit middle, try and exploit the corners ball movement off of that that has been what the majority of teams have done though certain teams with personnel like washington and to your point like cleveland on friday i think have the personnel or or utah on wednesday have the personnel to just go pound 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 deeper and deeper lob threats into the lane dunker spot over and over again it's just kind of fascinating to me that washington's the only team that has done it because i think if it were me I think that's what I would try and attack this Wolves team with. I agree, because it's disheartening. You mm. literally cut the heart out of this team because Vando and Cat are in different ways, different parts of the soul of this team. Mm. And if you defeat them on defense, if you get Cat in foul trouble or make him look silly and you just overpower Vando and use his hustle against him um, – that is a that's a damaging formula that that saps the adrenaline out of this team, in my view. And it, so it's I weird that, that we agree with on this when I mean, how many teams <laughs> have the Wolves played this year? 20. I know. And very 18? other people do. But, you know, did you think that 
I was shocked at how easy it was. I was shocked at, I mean, maybe just Nas just had a, a all time awful game. I mean, like, or whatever, or, you know, and cat or whatever, but it was like, it was old fashioned matador days. You know I mean? It was, uh, I mean, what was he nine for 10 and, you know, probably could have had some more if he hadn't been fouled. It was a, in what game are you talking Trez about? Harrell. Trez Harrell. Oh, yeah. Like no, I think he was 11 or 12. 11, or some, yeah, 11 and 12. I mean, yeah. that's just, yeah. I think that works. You know, I mean, uh, Jesus, yeah. if you have a 11 of 12 and you're in the paint for every one, then that, in other words, what that tells me is the Wolves literally couldn't adjust. Right. It, it It's so interesting because, like, the plan on both of these methods, whether we talk about the way the Hawks did it or the way the Wizards did it, is just stretch out the Wolves' defense, which is which right, right. makes sense, right? Right. And 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 Trey did a great job of just yanking Cat out to the logo, basically right. when he's out on those blitzes, and so he's stretching, you know, he's stretching the defense out towards half court, so Cat has this longer range to recover back to the basket. What Washington did was with Trez, Trez would put his feet on the baseline. And so he would stretch in the opposite direction, right? Right, right? So that now Cat has this further distance to recover back towards the basket. And ultimately, I think maybe that's just what the book is, is just stretch it out one way or the other. If you have the physical interior players like Trez, like Gafford, that Trez can catch it there with his feet on the baseline, power dribble in or just come in and physically go dunk on Cat, who's, who's recovering back. If it's a slighter guy, you know, they're not going to be able to physically right. do it, but but ultimately, and this and that's why they go zone. That's why they go zone. It is great point, and that's just you're not gonna you're not gonna make a living playing zone. You're not gonna be a great defensive a team if you play zone a lot. Mm-hmm. It's it as encouraged as you have been about the defense all season, and as I certainly have came along to. There is reason to be concerned about this scheme. I I, I do think because it's something. That as teams see it more and more, they will learn. And, you know, obviously it's not something I'm cheering for, but would I be shocked if over the next 15 games the Wolves are 20th on defense? I, I don't think so. I, I, I really think it's exploitable. Well, let's bring this full circle because okay. the def- defense is getting zero help from the offense. I mean, Good how point. often do they take the ball out of the basket and inbound right. it? I mean, it just – you miss as many threes as the Wolves miss and are bad rebounding team to boot. Teams have a head start so often, right? especially since they're hitting the offensive glass to boot. So, I mean, there's a lot of transition scramble that has to happen. They don't have Pat Bev. They haven't had McDaniels recently. Um, And the, the offense is doing them no favors. They are clanking and clanking. And they're not moving the ball, so the defense doesn't have to exert themselves. They have more energy for offense. The no, the wolves thing- are great. The wolves, the wolves, when they make a basket and get back on defense and are playing half court defense, they're they're third in the league in half court defense. The only teams better are Phoenix and Golden State, two best teams in the league. The wolves are good at that, but you're you're right. The, all these threes, they shoot the third most threes in the league, right? And you're missing them at a really high clip. That's going to lead into runout situations because those are longer rebounds. And they're speaking. trying to get offensive rebounds. The Finch mm-hmm. method is let's get yep. the offensive board and extend the position. Well, if, if that ball caroms deep, 
Yeah, all those See, guys that why, are in the paint, you know? I, I didn't get it. Remember when he told you that and you were like, right. I, even before you wrote it, you we were in Vegas and you told me yeah. about that. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. How are you gonna how are you gonna crash the glass and, and get he back? said he said it also in the middle of I mean in his tryout season there, that last you second did? half of the season, when we'd ask him about do you want to get back in transition? He goes, Ah, people match up anyway the best they can. It really, I mean, it was like, nah, not really. You know, I mean, he has that same attitude about switches. He just yeah. doesn't like switches. He said, you know, at the same time, he acknowledged when I, I asked him the other night why three-point shooting is down. He said, well, more switches. So he understands the efficacy of it, but he doesn't like it for his team. And I think part of it is he keeps wanting to light a fire under their ass. And I don't think that's a bad impulse, except that I think you need – you can't afford to have Pat Bev out and other people out right. who are, are so important. And actually, Delo was kind of – Stealth missed missed on defense last night. I thought, right? You might be right when I, you know, and, and some people are probably rolling their eyes when I say, you know, the next fifteen games they might be bad on defense. Well, I think the, the, the best I, counterpoint I, is is that guys are going to be back. You know, Beverly it is, is the wolves we're talking about, though. I mean, you know, <laughs> never never say that you know things are going to be good um, because you look like a sap. That doesn't mean I, I happen to believe. What I do know is that there is a segment of this team that will inspire with hustle um, and that those players will continue to motivate somebody like Cat. I mean, for all his pearl clutching and hand wringing and uh, dramatics otherwise, if you get beneath the drama – Cat's approach to the season is pretty impressive. I mean, he really is trying to do the right thing on both ends of the court all the time. And he has had a lot of frustrations and has risen above it. I mean, I, I am more impressed with Cat this season than I've been with Cat any other year than like maybe the first season with Tibbs where I thought that he was going to be transformed into like, you know, the, you know, Godzilla. Like what, Noah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. you know, I, I no, do it's think. it's a good point, Brett. It is, it is a good point. I think, I mean, th this is the, this is the bizarre case of cat. I mean, where it is so much good. It is it, obviously the offense, the 50, 40, 90, all that stuff is, is so much good, but it is part of the analysis of cat to acknowledge that the pearl clutching and the, the whatever, some of that stuff, it does have an adverse impact. It's got to grind. It's got to grind in the locker room a little bit. It, it, it does, but also he has a profoundly positive impact as well. It's just, right. I don't know. It, he's having these 30 point games that are a grind. And, and we take obviously you take the 30 point games, but, Man, you would just, you would love it to come a little bit easier sometimes, and and I don't imagine know if exactly he played for the Hawks. <laughs> well, I and you know everybody knows I say this all the time. I I think, I I think the way to just explode Cat is to use him in isolation more often, and and that's top of the key. Obviously, you know, I'm big on let's see some stuff. And they backs. are using they are using him quite a bit that way. I mean, his his run runner 
banker like taking an angle to the rim is way mm. up i think yeah, i don't love that i'd like the top of the key <laughs> isolations that are threes um but oh, the other I see. place okay, to I, okay yeah uh, the step back i want to see okay. the step back uh, yeah five right. times a game i i don't i don't understand why we've never seen it in one game ever five times that makes no sense to me but additionally in isolation if he can't do his work early and seal in the post and get legit post up position, get then wave the white flag, catch it at 19 and square up and play like a mid range player. Because, because he, particularly if he's being guarded by smalls there and you're catching at 19 feet, jab step and shoot over their head. Like you're Kevin Durant. You talk about watching Dirk, right. do the Dirk. He can, he can do that because the thing, would I love him to be a post-up player like he used to be? I don't know if he has that anymore due to the fact that he weighs 20 pounds less and due to the fact that he's going to get doubled every single time he does it. The post-up is just not, it's just not going to be bread and butter anymore. So we got to find other ways to lean into him more offensively. And I think the answer is isolation at the top of the key, shooting more threes. It's isolating in the mid post area there, which he did great. Remember the 2018, 19 season when Saunders took over, they ran actions right. for him out of that spot. Yep. More He's of still that. His and finest then, year on offense, right? Still his finest year on offense. And then more pick and roll, more pick and roll, like and and, and get him on the pop. I would argue if you're going to run him in the same sets, you're running him now, make a rule that he needs to get rid of the ball within two seconds, whether it's a shot or a pass. Well, he's never going to be able to do that if he's catching the ball at 19 feet. If he can get his, if he can do his work early and he can catch it on the block or a step outside of the block, it's going to be easy to do it. You're going to be have a decisive decision to go to the hook or hit I the think skip he's pass. a good enough shooter where, at the very least, he should try a couple of those fadeaways from 19, uh, especially if he has a, a smaller guy on him, and then work out of that spin. Mm-hmm. You know, make a shot right. fake and hit a cutter. Uh, you know, get D'Lo the ball and have D'Lo go to work all of a sudden on the weak side. Action's off of it. Action's off of it. That's what I'm talking exactly. about. Right. I understand that, like, you know, even best case here, he's probably going to only make 50% of those 19-footer square-up right. mid-range shots. I think I think he's good enough a shooter that he might be able to do that. But that isn't necessarily profitable. I just – we know when he catches that 19 that right. what is not profitable – is four dribble bangs to reestablish the position he gave up initially. And that goes against your passing the ball quickly, doing anything quickly. It's right, it's methodical right. and it's draining the shot clock. And it ultimately leads to stray voltage or a late shot clock kick out to Beasley or Prince or whoever, who are now forced to take the shot. I mean, it's just, it can't be, it can't be this. It can't be more of this. And, and I really think that you need to, um, start to view Cat under the prism that the dude has a better career true shooting percentage than Kevin Durant. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what do you do with a guy like that? You know, I mean, unlock that guy. Um, he literally is the seventh most efficient score in NBA history right now by the numbers. His true shooting percentage is 62-1. That's just insane. And this year, he's a little better than that. He's at 62-3. And I don't think the fan base has any idea what – I mean, we saw what happened when Cat doesn't play a game. I mean, you know, 
that uh, another thing that kind of went under the boards for my column is that John Schumann of NBA.com talked about the fact that when Cat sits, this team's you know offensive rating is less than a point per possession. Uh, in the fourth quarter, it's less than a point per possession. Uh, both of those instances are, are times one cat is absent, and then the other, it's harder to get cat the ball in, in a good place because it's crunch time fourth quarter things. But when you don't have cat to rely on, uh, your bad offense gets even worse. Well, and it's striking, too, because thus far, the minutes when cat has been off the floor have been those D'Lo in the second unit minutes that have actually been, you know, felt pretty good. If, yeah, that isn't, right. if that isn't something that is consistent and it goes back to, you know, the the ratings of old where, where D'Lo wasn't right. this huge boon for the second unit, now that's even worse. Now you're getting crushed in the minutes without Cat on the floor. So you're right. I mean, it, the only reason I am talking about these things in a somewhat frustrated way is that it could be better. It just, right. it really, it's so good right now and it could be, it could he could be better. This this is for another podcast, I'm sure. But I don't have any idea why Nas Reed's offensive rating with the Wolves is so awful. The eye test doesn't indicate that he's like a 97 per hundred possessions guy. And his defense, I do think his defense, high defensive uh, metric is accurate. I don't think he's a good defender still. But, and I've never been the Nas guy you are, but I have come to appreciate what he can do on offense, but apparently it doesn't translate in a team concept. At least mm-hmm. it isn't, isn't this year at all. And when you mentioned D'Lo in the second unit, again, is the eye test, because all of those second unit guys, if you look at their numbers, they're not great. They're better on defense, actually. Right. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know, um, you know, why that is, you know, maybe Nas, Nas isn't a great disher. You did tweet out something the other night, the other day that showed how Nas has learned to recognize open teammates a little better instead of just being tunnel vision toward the hoop. But but to be fair, that's going from being a complete tunnel vision the first yeah. two years of his career yeah. to, right. I, I mean, uh, my stance with Nas is as, and has always been that he is clearly imperfect, particularly on defense Sure. Um, it, it's it's simply recognizing unique ball skills for a six eleven guy, and you know his salary and his growth. I mean, we've exactly. talked about this before. You know, I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to pin you to the wall on this. I'm just no, no. legitimately curious as to why. Well, uh, I have a theory. I have a theory, and okay. and I think it's that he's in a lot of weird scrambled groups, uh-huh. and and one thing we all have kind of wanted. Right. Chris Finch included is more of the cat and Nas minutes together. Right. Right. And the numbers on that pairing this year are atrocious when they when they've been on the the floor together. And and I as a you know, this is being a Nas apologist to some extent, but it is something that they he always goes to in desperate situations looking for a spark. Things are already bad. Okay, let's try the cat and Nas thing. It's not kind of like feeding off of a good energy. It's trying to create one. And that's kind of a hole right. to dig out of. You know what I mean? Where it's like, so it's a bunch of these little like five minute stints where the wool, the, the opponent is on a 10 to two run. Okay, we got to, we're going to go, we need offense. We need rebound. We need more size. You know, it, it, it's some desperation there. 
And I feel like that's part of the reason why the cat and Nas pairing numbers wise has not worked. And then just kind of generally speaking, like who are the guys who Nas typically plays with? It's not, right. you know, back when we first saw Nas last year, J Mac something is, was yeah, right. J Mac was his guy. You're right. He doesn't play with a lot of feeders. And also to be fair again to Nas, um, I think the guy can be a legit, reliable threat in the corner where he often finds himself when he's on the floor with Cat. I, I think that that should be like a consistent part of that Twin Towers setting is let's run sets with Nas from the corner being at least in the first two or three options. I mean, don't have it be a bailout. Sometimes it feels like a bailout. And, uh, you know, let's see what happens if this guy gets like six corner trays a game. Uh, well, they, they got to He is gotta 37%. Figure out. He's second on the team. They, they need to figure out if the Cat and Nas thing can actually work because, because ultimately if it doesn't, and this ties into the Turner thing and the Vanderbilt thing, like if Nas can't be more than 13 minutes a game behind Cat, then it's, you know, then they're not going to resign it. You know, he's up for, he could, they could contract extend him this summer. And I'm a, a proponent of that because I like the player. But if ultimately he's just going to be a 13 minute a game back, I mean, it's the least important backup on the team. You're backing right. up the best player. So if you can't find a way to go to him, then like, even me, I'm like, all right, then it's time to, you know, trade him for something, trade him in maybe the Turner package and have Vanderbilt be the backup five in, mm-hmm. in that unit once you have Turner in, in Cat or Cat and, you know, mystery big X like you just you got to You got to figure out if Nas can be more than he is. And I don't know. I don't know. I'm a believer, but I don't I don't know. I don't know what he 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 ultimately will be. And that's because I don't think we've seen it. I would love to see 10 games, 10 straight games where Kat and Nas are playing 10 minutes together every game. Like, let you know, let's right. Let, let's at see the it. very least for like a four to six minute span where they get more than like a two minute. Uh, a bridge set thing in the rotation, it's not right? A bridge, yeah. Sometimes yes. it's a bridge from one rotation to another. You're right. I and you know, and, and ultimately, again, numbers suggest it probably won't work. Numbers on it weren't great last year either. Even once, even once Finch took over. But well, actually, now is the time. I mean, this team is kind of depleted right now, and they could use Nas maybe underused at the moment. I, I I would probably say he is. And and again, leading up to the trade deadline, because I think. There's at least a case to be made to, to start mixing things up somehow, whether it's Turner, whether it's whatever, to to tweak this roster. Like, if nothing else, let's take these next six weeks to know who on this team is a part of this team, right? Like, right, right. Is is in the mix? Who are their pairings? Who do we want to who do we want to keep together, and who is ultimately expendable? And a lot of guys could fall. Jade McDaniel's too. Is right. does he have to be part of the core going forward? Or is he someone you are willing to trade to, to upgrade at power forward slash center? You know, a, a, a lot of these dudes. And we got to we gotta learn because right now we just like these guys, right? We like Nas Reed because right. I like his ball skills. We like right. Jaden McDaniels because he's 6'10 and you, you see these flashes. Are we sure that they are, you know, are we just doing the Timberwolves thing where we... we right. We see it's a little sparkly, and we think it's the next shiny object. You know. Well, I, I actually think, I mean, just quick 
my quick interjection on that is if you leave Jade McDaniels alone to guard, mm. especially if the opponent's best wing score is a three, not a two, not a four, uh, I think he's valuable. Um, I also think that it is interesting. I, I, I think that management is thinking the same way you are because when he's in that second unit, they really want to explore how much of this guy's offense is simply catch and shoot from the corner and how much can this guy take the ball off the dribble and get to where he wants to go. That's a huge value judgment on that. You know, if he can, if he can do more than catch and shoot, then his value rises considerably. Um, I, I but, think of it kind of like we know he has skills. We know there's something special about Jane McDaniels. We know there's something special right. about Nasri. It's competitive fire, right? But do those special things, when plugged into right. the core of this team, do they become greater than the sum of their parts? And if right. the answer is no, they just fill the holes then it's okay to start thinking about trading them. It is. I mean, that's just the only right. the only way you're going to make your team better and ultimately compete in the Western Conference is to make this team better. And and to do so, you're going to have to give up some young players that that you like. And and I, I you know I, I hope it is Nas and and Jaden who are pieces who become greater than the sum of their parts within this right. group. They have not been thus far this season, and and really not for extended periods of time ever. Most of the like. You know, most of the flashy Nas stuff last year came when Cat was out. That's somewhat irrelevant. Um, you know, Jaden, he 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 did. You know, it, it hasn't always really came in the like. Oh, Jaden is be really being he's raising up Ant and Delo or Ant and Delo are raising him up. It's right. It's just it's good. They're good players. They're good players. I just don't know if they're ultimately greater than the sum of their parts when plugged into that. And I'm fascinated to track that because this trade deadline's coming man and 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 those will be names that if you're trading for a good player like they're going to be looking to take a young guy back that's just how trades work and um you have to figure out why this offense is mm -hmm. so inefficient mm -hmm. and if it's because Malik Beasley uh cannot come off the bench or cannot be anything more than a top 2 option that really hurts his value. Um, yeah. And, and so you do have, I, I, I really endorse this idea that it is time to ascertain what your core is. Everybody assumes it's the big three and maybe another piece or two. And maybe it is, but I'm not sure. I definitely want to go there yet. And then the other thing is once you do make that assumption, let's make some hard decisions you know, before these extensions to these big guys come through and before you start to look at the trade market or the free agent market and whether or not you want to re-up Beverly, you're going to have to start to think in terms of, instead of let's see, let's do. Let's say this guy is this and we'll live with that decision. You know, right. that it's, it's coming to that time. It's coming quicker. I think it's coming quicker than we think. It's, it's kind of like the whole cat thing where we're like, oh, yeah. Well, a seven-game losing streak will make it come. That's for sure. <laughs> that's true. Well, you know, we're, we're, we're hoping that doesn't happen. Open some good basketball here in these last two home games and then the little road trip there. These next four, I think, are, 
are big. And and as you wrote Cleveland about, Cleveland like, is playing so well right now. Have you seen Cleveland mm-hmm. lately? I they're my they're my thunder <laughs> this year. <laughs> <laughs> they're Hornets. insane. I mean, they're uh, so much fun. I love mm-hmm. Allen and Mobley. I love. I mean, Kevin Love was just like. Oh, oh, there he is again. I mean, no, Kevin Love all of a sudden comes off the bench. And, uh, you know, it's just such a weird to have Love and Rubio and, you know, like six guys who just are, are fascinating players. And J.B. Totally. Bickerstaff, of all people. I was going to say, shout out J.B. Shout out J.B. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, you guys, as, as we've been talking about, like the, the biggest basketball thing for this team to figure out is the offense right now. And, and Britt wrote about it today at Min Post. The title is, I'll click on it here. I'm always slow here. What's wrong with the Wolves' offense and what they can do about it? Um, that is, that's the, the question right now, Brett. I think you, I think you right. nailed that. And I would say, you know, I'll, 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 yeah, I'll, you know, ball movement, movement without the ball is uh, probably, it's, it's a simplistic but very accurate answer. I, I think right. it will solve a lot of problems. I, I think so too. And Utah tomorrow is going to be a hell of a test for that. Because yeah, yeah, they are one of the best. Because they're not getting the much at the rim. Right? <laughs> no, no, they are not. No, they are not. All right, Brett, appreciate you doing this. You guys can all follow Brett on Twitter at Brett Robson. Um, I'm Dane Moore at Dane Moore NBA, and I'll be back to talk to you after the Utah game on Wednesday. Till then, he's Brett. I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stops. Yeah, green and hot, so you can find me in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever ever bring you down. Yeah. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.